Good morning. Welcome to Scottsboro Cumberland Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to have you with us this morning in worship. It's an exciting day. We will be installing our new class of elders and deacons. Uh, I do want to say this was not in my script, but Amy was just up here discussing the menu for the women's retreat. And if you're a lady, um, I would just, I I would consider attending because I would attend for that menu. so there, there is information uh, on the back, yes? Yes, November 1st through 2nd Women's Retreat. Um, it sounds delicious and it will be rewarding and impactful, so it's all good. Another announcement, uh, t-shirt and sweatshirt orders are due. Young people, I'm especially looking at you. If you want a t-shirt or a sweatshirt, we at least need the form turned in so we know what sizes. Even if the money is delayed, the form for t-shirt and sweatshirt sizes turned in today, if possible. This, this week will be fine. <laughs> okay. uh, very quickly, a couple other things. There is a deacon meeting today at 12 noon, which includes the new deacon class. Uh, so we're tossing you right into it. And then coming up this Wednesday, we will have bonfire choir practice. This is a short-term commitment to the choir. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is not a super crazy weird music. Um, we've got some really beautiful pieces. So if you can sing, please consider joining us. And if you can't sing, please consider joining us anyway. Uh, and it'll be a great time as we lead the church uh, around a bonfire. It's a very campfire theme. So it'll be a throwback to the past. And then the last announcement I want to highlight is coming up next Sunday, the Deacon Soup Luncheon. Are there other announcements this morning? Brothers and sisters, God is with us in this place. Let us prepare our hearts to worship him.
Would you please stand and be called to worship? This morning there is no responsive reading. Instead, I invite you to look to Jesus and be reminded of his goodness and grace. As we begin our service, hear these words from Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live in the land and you will enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him and he will act. Be still before the Lord. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Let us pray. Source of grace, source of peace, you have called us into being. You keep us in safety. You hold us in life. Far too often we turn from you, placing our trust in the failed promises of other human beings and the promises of this world. Would you be with us now? Bring us into your presence to comfort our pain, to challenge our pride, to renew our hope. Enter into our prayer and our praise that our worship may be pleasing to you. For we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you remain standing and join us in singing Great is Thy Faithfulness, hymn 60.
You may have a seat, except for our newly uh, elected elders and deacons who I will invite forward. Hoyt Harbin, Larry Stiles, Walt Wright, Amanda Gossett, Kelly Holland, and John Weigel. If you'll come forward, you can just stand. Do you want them all on one side? A line right here would be perfect. We are excited to have you all on board for the next three-year term of elders and deacons, respectively. And we believe in your skills as leaders and are honored to have you accepting this call as leaders of this church. I have a few questions for those of you who have never been ordained, which I think is Kelly and John. Do you believe in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be the inspired word of God, the authority for faith and practice? Do you? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the confession of faith of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church as containing the essential doctrines taught in the Holy Scriptures? Do you approve of and promise to uphold the government of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church? And do you promise to promote the peace, unity, and purity of the Church? And now I have a question for all six of you. Do you accept the office of elder or deacon in this church and promise to faithfully discharge all the duties thereof as God may enable you? Do you? Will the congregation please stand? Do you, the members of the church, acknowledge and receive these elders and deacons, and do you promise to give them such encouragement, support, and respect as belongs to the office? If so, say yes. Yes. You may have a seat. At this time, if you guys will clump into a nice little circle for me. If you are currently serving elder, including those who just rolled off, uh, so the last three that just rolled off, you're included in that. If you'll please come forward. We are going to lay hands on those who have been newly installed and ordained this morning. Um, I had a question one time about why we lay hands. Um, What's the point of it? Why do we do it? We're Presbyterian. We don't love all of that kind of spiritual stuff sometimes. Um, But we do the laying on of hands not because we're magic or because I have any power. We do it as a symbol to recognize the Holy Spirit coming down upon these newly ordained and installed leaders that the Spirit might guide them in all wisdom. So with that, we will lay our hands on these new elders and deacons, and would you join me as we pray. Lord God, we ask that your Spirit would give wisdom, that your Spirit would give guidance. Lord, that through the leadership of these six that stand here today, you might surely bless this congregation in the next three years to come. Lord, we believe that when we come to you in prayer, when we ask, when we knock at the door, you are so faithful to respond to us. And Lord, you have been faithful to send us these six, to give us Hoyt and Larry and Walt and Kelly and Amanda and John, to serve as leaders of Scottsboro Cumberland Presbyterian Church. Lord, we are humbled humbled by the ways you have already moved through this congregation and humbled by the ways you will continue to move and breathe your spirit into us. So in this moment, would your spirit come upon these six, that you would fill them with wisdom, fill them with peace, and fill them with every ability to serve. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Congratulations to the six of you, the elders who are surrounding them. You guys may have a seat. Is it appropriate to clap? 
Absolutely. Always appropriate to clap. Uh, let's congratulate our new elders and deacons. Hang tight for one second so I can make it official. I now declare that you have been elected, ordained, and installed as elders and deacons in this church, agreeable to the word of God and according to the government of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Congratulations to the six of you. We're excited to serve alongside you. You may take your seats. At this time, we turn our attention to God and our need for Him in our lives. We confess that we need God. We need God each and every day. So let us pray together our prayer of confession. Lord, we remember that blessed are the poor in spirit, but we have been rich in pride. Blessed are those who mourn, but we have not known much sorrow for our sin. Blessed are the meek, but we are a stiff-necked people. We plead with you to forgive our sins and give us the blessing of your righteousness. Amen. Let us continue in a moment of silent reflection and prayer. Brothers and sisters, here again this morning, by the grace of God, you are forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit, you are being made new. Thanks be to God. Amen. And so it is with great joy we are able to pass the peace of Christ with one another. The peace of Christ be with you. Feel free to seek out our new elders and deacons and extend a warm hand. As we finish peace passing, I'm going to invite children to come forward for children in the chancel.
It's a bummer of a boot. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Pretty good? Great. Today, Pastor Micah, one of the verses she's going to be reading in a bit is that God's compassions never fail. God's desires, He never gives up on it. He always is working on it. He never stops. So we can always trust that God is going to do what He says He's going to do. And I thought we could maybe do a little experiment because sometimes we feel like maybe God won't show up. Maybe this time God won't do anything. Maybe this time if we pray, God, nothing will happen. Do you know what I mean? But Will you stand up with me? Stand up. We're going we're gonna to test and see. We're going to start jumping. And we're going to see how many jumps before gravity fails. Okay? So if you guys, let's just start. I got one, two, three. If anyone... No? 18, 20, 21, 22, 23. Okay, I got 23. How many did you do? I'm going to approximate 19. 32. Okay, we'll do another 19, 41. This thing, 60. I don't know. You did 35 jumps? We're at 105. Come on, man. Found it. It's great. No? We'll do a 19 again. That's our running average. Anyone want, want to help me with the math? 124. Last one. 19 again. 143. Anyone checking my map? We can grab a seat. No. Okay. <clears throat> we just jumped 143 times. That's quite a few. How many times did gravity fail? Anybody float away? No. <laughs> How many times do you think you'd have to jump before you just floated away? Before gravity stopped working? Zero. Zero times. Yeah, it will never stop. It'll never stop. Gravity will never stop? It just keeps going forever? He's right. Gravity doesn't fail. And it doesn't stop. It just keeps going. It always is going to pull us back to earth, right? Yeah, it doesn't want us floating up to heaven. It doesn't want us floating into space. Can you breathe in space? You cannot. Right. So gravity keeps you on earth. God is the same way. God's compassions never fail. Does God ever stop working? No. Does God ever give up? Does God ever take a day off? No. Whenever we pray to God, God hears us. And just like gravity will never fail, just like the earth will never let you go and float away, God won't either. It's like pulling you back down from a rock wall. It's like pulling you back down from a rock wall. And God does the exact same thing. We take risks and we can because God will keep us safe. Let's pray together. God, sometimes it's easy to forget that you're here and sometimes we forget how constant you are, that you're as constant as gravity. But this morning we remember. We remember that you're with us every step, every day of our lives, that you protect us and you guide us. And we just want to say thank you. Thank you that your compassions never fail. Thank you that you never give up. Not in our darkest days, Lord, not even when death comes. You never give up. God, we know how much you love us, and we love you too. And we hope you feel that this morning in our songs and in our praise. 
We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Kindergarten and up, you guys can follow me upstairs. Younger can head to the nursery. That's a guitar stand, and you can keep that because I think that's Ben's. Anybody else need We give to God because he is our hope and he is our peace. We give to God because only God can bring us assurance and comfort. We will now take up this morning's tithes and offerings.
for today comes from Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 through 26. Let us listen to God's word. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the foul taste of life and the disdain. I remember them well. My soul is thrown down within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. A friend of mine during college, Mike, had this car. From the era where there were three seats in the front and three seats in the back, and you could fit three grown adults in either row because the thing was as wide as a couch. Huge. 
as large as a boat or a small military assault vehicle. With its solid steel construction, you could have bulletproofed those windows and used it in a presidential motorcade. It always accelerated like it was trying to climb a very steep hill, except when it was trying to climb a very steep hill, in which case we legitimately debated getting behind the car and pushing it just a little bit to help. Watching it turn was like catching someone steer a barge, which didn't help the fact that Mike already struggled to park. Parked perfectly, this car barely fit between the average size parking spot. But the way Mike parked, it was almost always in at least two spots. In fact, there was a while where this group of mine was passing around a picture where Mike had managed to pull too far in at a very dramatic angle, and he was in four spots. <laughs> Not purposely, completely by accident in four parking spots. You see, Mike's car would have been an excellent bus or bomb shelter. But as a car, it struggled. Still, he insisted it was fine. We weren't always sure it was street legal based on everything that was wrong with it, but still he insisted. So a group of us one day were riding in it somewhere. Why we got in this car, I don't know. I don't remember where we were going, but I remember we were on the highway. Seven of us three in the front, four in the back, completely comfortable. Up ahead, a traffic light goes red and traffic begins to slow, but we don't. We just keep on going, which might have been Mike's slow reflexes, except from where I was sitting, I could see that he was using the brakes, tapping, then pushing halfway down more, and we weren't slowing down until the pedal was almost to the floor, this grating, jerking, screeching stopped the tires, and we finally skid to a stop. All seven of us, three in the front, four in the back, smashed up against our seatbelts, close enough to the car in front that I can still see the driver's eyes in his rearview mirror, wide in terror at this boat with wheels behind him, six inches too close. All seven of us went silent like you do when something like that happens. The silence that lingers when you've nearly died. The silence of smelling overheated brake pads. The silence where you can hear your heart beating in your ears all together staring blankly at the red light. Until a collective releasing of a breath we didn't realize we were holding. When the light changes, Mike pulls through the intersection and we drift to a stop in the shoulder. He hits the latch to pop the hood and at this moment, the guys get out to do the thing that guys do. They congregate around the car with the hood open. And I hear some of them speculating, pretty sure, pretty sure you've got some low brake fluid in there. Yeah, yeah, that must be what it is. And so they pull out something, check it, yep, it's low brake fluid discussing nearest auto shops, pulling cell phones to check if we can get another ride. Mike walks to the driver's door and pops the trunk. 
At this point, we're all out of the car, mindlessly following Mike to the trunk. He opens it, pulls out a bottle, and heads for the engine. Mike, why do you have so many bottles of brake fluid in your car? It's been leaking for a while, he says. I keep the bottles in the trunk that way. Whenever this sort of thing happens, I know it's low, so I pull over and fill it back up. He finishes pouring in, slams the hood, and looks at us cheerfully. All right, as good as new. Let's keep going. Don't tell my mother this story, by the way. <laughs> there were five empty bottles of brake fluid in Mike's trunk. Five! Which means at least five signs that the time had come to move on from this giant green car. That this nostalgia had become quite dangerous. We were number six. Time number seven... Mike once again managed to stop in time, but the car behind him wasn't as lucky, wasn't ready to slam on those brakes, so they hit him, and crashing into that steel fortress was like hitting a brick wall. Airbags deployed, bones were broken. It easily could have been worse. Mike did not want to move on from that car, not because he was cheap, he was pumping money into that car, more than we could understand. It wasn't convenient. That car was anything but convenient. But it had been his grandpa's car. His grandpa, who had helped raise him, bought the car shortly before his health began to fail. And when his grandpa could no longer drive, he passed the car on to Mike. It was in that car that Mike drove his grandfather to church and lunches and doctor's appointments. And even after his grandfather passed, after he'd been gone for years, whenever Mike got in that car, his grandfather was with him, riding in the passenger seat just like they'd used to. To give up the car felt like getting rid of his grandfather, abandoning the memory but that car was done. It was dangerous. There was no more fixing it. So what do we do? What do we do when cars die, when dreams crumble, when health fails, when relationships fade? What do we do? What do we do when there will be no recovery, no rescue, no healing, when life isn't fair? What do we do? with shattered pieces of what we thought we'd have. What do we do when the car dies? We lament. That's this entire book of the Bible, Lamentations. It's a lament. The prophet Jeremiah is in chains being led into slavery. He's standing on a hill, and from the hill, all he can do is watch as the Babylonian army destroys the city he loves. They broke through the gates like toothpicks, brushed aside the army, and went straight to slaughtering everyone they saw. Families gone. Whole neighborhoods in flames. The temple, God's temple, torn brick from brick. It's hard to hope in that, 
when the terrible thing, the worst thing is here when it's come. Jerusalem can't escape being destroyed. It's happening. So what do we do when what we love, what we hope, what we dreamed, what do we do when children, futures, homes are stolen from us? We lament. You see, Jeremiah doesn't say to himself, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. No. That works for small problems. It works when you fail a test. It works when it's raining and you were trying to go on a picnic. Not when the city you love is in flames. Not when your friends are gone and you're being dragged into a future that you do not want. So Jeremiah laments. He doesn't try to be hopeful. He doesn't try to be nice to God or even to the people around him. His heart is shattered, so he puts words to his pain. He says, does it even matter to any of you just walking by? Look around and see. Have you ever suffered like this? Jeremiah lists everything that's wrong. He lists what he lost. He mourns the city, his city that was beautiful and majestic and full of life. Now all that's left are broken families covered in the ashes of their burned down homes. He rages, he rages at how God refused to give strength to Israel's warriors, young men with their whole lives ahead of them, young men who were Jeremiah's friends who fought with courage, now lifeless. He laments. He lists it all, drags up the brokenness, puts it into words, words upon words, weeping words, screaming words, raging words, whispered words. Until there's nothing left in him except the emptiness of what's gone. And then, and then he says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the foul taste of life and the disdain. I remember them well, and my soul is cast down within me. And yet, yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. You see, he pulled all the sadness, the despair, the brokenness, and fear and anger because that's honest, that is true. Life is not fair. Things happen that should not happen, that should never happen to anyone. So we put it into words however we can, what was, what could have been, what should have been. We weep and yell. We rage. And then we look ahead. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. It's the movement of lament, passing through pain, through loss, passing through but not staying there, expecting to see something up ahead, still expecting hope. You see, if we don't lament, we find ourselves stuck in the past, holding on to what was lost. So we find ourselves driving through life with five empty bottles of brake fluid in the trunk, trying to pretend it's just like it used to be. But it's not. It's not so we lament 
Honor the past, remember what was lost, then look for what God is going to do, because that is who God is. Even as we lament, we look for what God will do, because we know all of Scripture attests to the fact that God will do something new. God will bring life again. We lament, but we move forward because God is making things new. He always has. He always will. We lament when children move out, mourning that they won't be with us, Mourning the things we will miss, but looking ahead to what God will do. We lament the loss of a relationship, the life we thought we'd have. We dredge up the hurt so it doesn't fester. And then we look ahead for what God will do. We lament the loss of health, the changes it forces to our routines and our plans. We lament that some illnesses don't go away, that our new life is defined by this. We look ahead, knowing, believing, sometimes grasping just to hope that God can bring life and hope and joy even to this that God can and God will. We lament. We lament the loss of dreams. We lament a world that isn't what it used to be. We lament in the face of death the hole it makes in our lives, the sudden end to what was. And then we say with Jeremiah, I remember my affliction and my wandering lost in the world, the foul taste of life and the disdain. I remember them well. My soul is thrown down within me, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because the Lord's great love, will we are not consumed. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed consumed, for his compassions never fail. Life happens, and it's not fair. We ask why, why we suffer, why our friends suffer. We wonder what good there could possibly be. For all those with cancer, Alzheimer's, lifelong illness, For all those awaiting a diagnosis, living in the unknown. For all those bound by anxiety and depression. For all those lonely and pushed aside, we lament. And in our lamenting, we boldly proclaim that there is still reason to hope. Because of God's great love, we are not consumed. Because God gave his son to die for us, we are not consumed consumed. One day, every tear shall be wiped away. One day, every hurt will be healed. Every body and every home made whole. It's the promise that God gives us at his table. At his table, where he reminds us of the son he sent to us, that we might not be consumed. Even when my soul is thrown down within me, I have reason to hope. Because of God's great love, we are not consumed.
Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we hope only in you, knowing that in you we find joy and peace even in the hardest of times. Lord, we lament not just for the things we go through, but for the things that others go through, through the hardships and the trials and the pains. Lord, we lament. And in our lamenting, we turn our eyes to seek you again, to seek you and to feel the hope that comes only from you. Today, Lord, we choose to hope in your goodness. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Do you stand and join me as we affirm our faith using the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Anybody who has praises or prayer requests this morning, what requests do we have today? Macy Aldridge. Mark Bergman, Francis Bass, John 
and Miles Crosby. Ferris Shelton and Stan Manning. Sheila Kumo. Sheila Kumo. Kumo. Thanksgiving for Ron Bray and for teaching the CPR class yesterday. Thank you. Let us pray. Lord, we have been beaten down by this world over and over again, but we have also seen how good and faithful you are. We believe that you will take care of us and provide for our every need. In moments of pain and hardship, we lament, and we also draw near to you. Give us your spirit that we might endure each day, no matter what it may bring. Bless the work of our hands as we pray the prayer your Son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. On the night of Jesus' arrest, he took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it, 
And he gave it to his disciples and he said, Take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Eat it and remember me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he said, This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, remember me. So every time we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we have reason to hope. We have reason to hope in the God who understands our lament. Let us pray. Lord, we ask that your spirit would come upon the bread, that your spirit would come upon the juice, that you would fill it with more of you, that as we take it, we might be nourished and encouraged by the goodness of your character. In your name we pray. Amen. Come to the table. All is ready.
closing hymn, Sing Praise to the Father, page 9.
Brothers and sisters, as we go into the world, we don't need to be reminded the world is not fair. And sorrows will come. But our prayer is that even in the sorrows, you will find that the promises of the Lord are sweet and that they are enough. So go with the love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit now and always.